Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. expectation building in our hearts but something in our hearts want to say that eye has not seen ear has not heard nor has entered into our hearts the things that you have prepared for us at convergence so we bring our hearts and our ears and our minds before you Lord we say Lord we want to see new things Lord. we want to hear deep things from your spirit just spoken to our hearts Lord, even as we sang this morning about your love, we pray, Jesus, that we would have encounters with the power of your love over that weekend. God, that you would come and speak to us and direct us, instruct us, Lord, lead us in the way that we should go. Lord, we're hungry to meet with you. Even as this morning, Lord, we are hungry to meet with you. Lord, we are hungry for your word. We are thirsty your spirit in Jesus name Amen and thank you so much really appreciate your prayers thanks so much Dennis and Yuan. it's great just to be able to worship and just to be able to be together even in the midst of, of a school holiday to be able to still gather around Jesus and around the cross and Really just so excited for the next few weeks and everything that God is going to stir in our hearts. I was also sort of in preparation for this morning. It's just been reminded of what the Lord has been stirring in our hearts over the last few weeks. And a couple of weeks ago before we had the, the School of the Spirit weekend, we spoke a little bit about the fact that God is wanting to position us to receive. That perhaps one of our challenges in, in modern world is it's hard for us to receive from God, but we can only give what we have received. And there are various ways in which we receive. Obviously, convergence would be one way we will receive from people with whom God has dealt. Clearly, we receive from God in our own life when we wrestle with God, when we work through things in the Lord's presence. And just that we want to receive. We saw Peter and John they walk up to the man at the gate, beautiful, and the guy comes and he says, listen, have you got some money for me? And Peter and John say, we don't have money, but what we do have, we want to give to you. So rise up and walk. And as we have been receiving, I just sense God is wanting us to begin to step out more into giving. That freely we have received and that freely we would begin to give more and more. I spoke about Gideon a couple of weeks ago as well and was reminded that God comes and God looks at this man who's busy in the threshing floor hiding under the wine press and God says, mighty hero from the translation we looked at. You mighty man of valor, some other translations say. Go in the strength that is in you. And we believe that God is sort of looking at Gideon and God is seeing Gideon strong already. And God's saying, Gideon 
that I've already placed within you what you need for this time and for this circumstance. We saw in that same message that even as Jesus comes, that he says, if anyone desires to follow me, he must take up his cross and deny himself and follow me. And sometimes when we read that, we almost read that in the negative. We read that as heavy. We read that as this hard thing that God holds before us and felt God just wanting us to shift our view a little bit to see it as an invitation to life, to see it as an invitation to come and to draw to where God wants us to be. And what greater invitation than the king of the universe bending down to you and me and saying, come. Come to his love and come to his grace. In Judges 6.14, we saw this verse. I want to read it for us again. The Lord turned to him, that's to Gideon, and he said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending over us. You, I really sense that that is the word that the Lord is wanting to speak over us, over our church at this time. I won't be surprised if as convergence comes closer and we have speakers who have absolutely no clue what God has been saying to us as an individual congregation, that that is going to come over and over again, that God is sending us. God is wanting to say to us, go, I am sending you. I was so encouraged by Christoph's message last week. If you missed that, I really would encourage you to listen to it. You can download it in podcast form from whichever your favorite podcast provider is. And he spoke to us about work and the glory and the beauty of work. He's a CEO of a construction company, and he was speaking about just how he has learned that his work in itself, in and of itself, his work brings glory to God because God himself is a worker. Great message was so encouraging, and I encourage you to, to listen to that, as I said. And I want us to tap into that a little bit. He, he mentioned sort of some of the spaces we're in. I want us perhaps, maybe in the same groups we prayed, if we can turn in groups of two or three. You know, sometimes in church we try to mix things up a little bit and make it a little bit interactive. And I'd like for us to do that this morning just before I share. And in groups two or three or so, maybe not only with the people that you'd normally speak to. So if you're here as a husband and wife, try and include someone else in the group as well. And when there's somebody else that helps us think about things we perhaps think about, Often when there's somebody else there as well and they just force us to see it maybe just slightly differently, we could explain it to them and that maybe just helps us to see it just a little bit from a fresh eye sometimes. But I want us to think about the spaces that we inhabit most frequently. Christoph helped us around this a little bit last week as well. I want to just for those who weren't here, you know, most of our lives can be divided into threes. We spend about a third, perhaps a quarter, but somewhere around there of our life sleeping. I don't know if you've noticed that. About a third of your life you'll spend sleeping. That's quite a scary thought on one hand. This dawned on me many years ago when I was buying a bed. And beds are crazy expensive. I don't know when last you looked at the price of a bed. But a couple of months before that, I'd been in an accident and I had insurance payout and I had to buy a new car. And then I realized I'm going to spend like maybe an hour a day of my life in the car. I'm going to spend six or seven or sometimes eight hours a day of my life in the bed. Why am I willing to spend that much money on the car but not on the bed? So I bought a proper bed and it was a good investment. My kid is still sleeping on it. 
Um, so we're going to spend about a third, a quarter, somewhere around there of our life asleep in our bed. And then we're going to spend about a third of our life with our loved ones, our families, the people sort of two, three hours before work and the evenings we, we spend about sort of between six and eight hours of our lives and weekends and obviously all of that as well with, in our social spaces. And then we spend about a third of our life at work, very roughly, obviously, about roughly eight hours sleeping, roughly eight hours with family plus weekends, and roughly eight hours, and I think last time I did maths, that's 24. Maybe in South Africa we can top an hour out of that, at least in traffic. <laughs> um, but we're spending, so I wanted to think just very quickly around those, and pick one of them, preferably not the bed. And I want you, just in your group, just quickly discuss what does that space look like for you? Practically, what does it look like? Not I am a um, civil engineer and I design it. No, when I'm at work, this is what the space looks like. These are the people who are around me. We sit in open offices or sit in closed offices. It's me by myself. I work from home and I'm in this little semi-depressed state because I never have people around me anymore and I just need to go and work in a coffee shop from time to time. Whatever it may be, physically describe what does that space look like for you. Can we do that about five minutes? So divide up into groups. If you need to move the chairs around, you can do that and just chair a little bit. What is the space that you spend in most of your day look like at the moment? What does the space look like and who are the people that you interact with in that space? And so we're talking about what does that space look like and perhaps a little bit about who are some of the people that we interact with in that space? People we work with people we work for, we work alongside, clients we see. How does, how does that look? Take about another two minutes to finish up those conversations or those starting points. Another one minute. Okay, fantastic. So now we've sort of got a, a bit of an idea of the people around us, the space. But hopefully we've just reminded ourselves, what does our space look like? Sometimes it's space we're in every day. Who's been at the same work environment for more than five years? A couple of us, more than 10 years. Carrying on 30, somewhere they will stop. Okay. But it's amazing how, you know, after two or three even years, we... We get into the routine and the rhythm, and we, we almost forget where we are. And it's great sometimes just to step back and, and look from a different point of view. And hopefully we've reminded ourselves just a little bit of what does the space we're at look like? And then the, the question I have, and it's sort of in the title, and hopefully could probably give away a little bit where we're going with this this evening, this morning, is why are you there? That space that you are in, why are you there? Last week, Christoph definitely gave us one, I would say, one half, one part of the answer. One of the reasons why we are there is to work, and to work in a way that our work brings glory to God. 
to work in a way that our work adds value to the people around us. He was speaking about, you know, if I'm just drawing up the spreadsheet, I'm drawing up the spreadsheet to get the spreadsheet ready to make someone else's work easier. And so kind of we, we work together and we work for the benefit of others. And Christoph spoke around that so fantastically last week. And that is very definitely true. There's a, a flip side, as with most things in the kingdom. It's not an either or, or. It's not a, a one-dimensional thing. There is another reason, at least one more reason, why we are there. We are there. One of them, and it's sort of, the, as I mentioned, the title is, this morning, we can speak about the reason you are there. Perhaps to give away a little bit, kind of, if you want to have a more fun title, you can call it This Little Light of Mine. There's another reason why we are there where we are. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and what's just happened in sort of the build-up, because obviously this is chapter 4, so there are a couple of chapters and thoughts before this. And at this stage, Paul has spoken about the old covenant, the fact that, you know, before Christ came, there was God who was up in heaven, separated from us, and we could sometimes go towards Him, like the high priest on the Day of Atonement. And perhaps when God descended on the mountain, when Moses was there, Moses was allowed to draw near to God, but everyone else had to stay far away. And he's contrasting that with the new covenant, the new invitation, as it were, the new relationship that we have with God, that we are no longer separated, but we can, exactly like we're doing this morning, we can draw near to Him. And so he says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. And so Paul sort of starts this section, and we're going to read quite a lot of Scripture. I'm going to try not to tell too many stories because I want us just to read Scripture this morning and allow the Scripture to remind us something of the purpose of God for our lives. I love stories and we were at a wedding yesterday, like someone said, you know, we're going to tell some stories at the wedding, and some of them are going to be funny, and some of them are going to be true. You know? <laughs> Don't spoil a good story with the truth. And sometimes we like telling stories, but for this morning, I'd like us more just to, in a sense, just spend time in the Word. I'll stop maybe and highlight a couple of sections, but it's one of those parts of Scripture which really is self-explanatory. It, it says so much by itself, by our just reading it. And so what we see here as a start is as we are sitting here, as you are sitting here, as we are following Jesus, God has turned the light on. We're doing a, a parenting course and we watched some videos that were recorded like 10 or whatever years ago. And the presenter on, on Wednesday night when we were presenting it, she spoke about, you remember about the time when we had those ESCOM blackouts? And everybody just laughed in the class on Wednesday evening. But God has come and He has, there is no load shedding with the lights of Christ. 
If we are following Christ, He has come to turn the light on. And sometimes we forget that, that there is a light shining on the inside of you and of me as we accepted Christ. I want to read that bit for us again. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness. In other words, the same God who right at the beginning at creation said, let there be light. That same God who said that has made that same light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Here, once again, we can see the face of Jesus Christ. We can draw near to Him. It's not like in the old covenant, the over-dealing and the old framework where there was someone else who could go to God on our behalf. We can all come to God on our own behalf because Jesus has made that way. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. What is this great treasure? This light of God that is shining inside of us. And we are these jars of clay. When we were children, when I just came to the faith, um, there was this band, Jars of Clay, just tapping into this truth that we are just jars of clay, earthen vessels, some of the translations put it. We are just pots. As we saw with uh, the queen recently, you know, from time, I loved what someone said, the interviewer about the queen, because she'd just been around forever. They say, sometimes when you look at the queen, you forget that we all have to die. Because she was just always there for most of, pretty much all of us sitting here. She was queen for all of our lives until a couple of weeks ago, queen of England. Not necessarily our queen, but she was just always there. But then it's such a stark reminder that not one of us will always be here. We are all just jars of clay. Just from dust we've come and to dust we shall return. But within these jars of clay, we have this incredible treasure. We have a light that is shining. And there is a light that is shining inside of you. Jesus has connected that light to His eternal source. And this great power is from God. This light that is shining inside of you and inside of me is not from me and it's not from you. It is from God. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies, these jars of clay, continue to share in the death of Jesus. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. And I'm so thankful to God that right now we do not live in constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. There are many people around the world today who do. But I'm thankful that me and perhaps when I think of my kids, that we're not in a space where we live in constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the faith of, face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. And here once again, so he's saying we have this great treasure inside of us, and this treasure is so important to us, it's so valuable that these jars of clay are perishable. And we live constantly in the face of death, and it's a small price to pray, he carries on. He says, but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God. So I spoke. He says, there is a faith that forces my mouth to speak. 
There is something which when I have seen God, when I have tasted God, when I have experienced God, when I have that part of faith in me, I cannot but speak. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to Himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Paul here is speaking specifically about his ministry of bringing the gospel to other people. And he says, as more and more people tap into this grace, receive this grace, as this grace reaches more and more people, and more and more people have these light bulbs switched on inside of them. One of uh, the churches that I've had the privilege of, of working with, a big church in the U.S., they they're as un-American as Americans can be, and I really appreciate them for that. And I love the fact that when they come, they come to South Africa from time to time. We've gotten to know some of the leaders really well, this church. And they always deliberately say, they, when they start a conversation, when they meet more people, they say, we know we are American, so please help us. Explain how this works in your country. I love that they come with that humility and they come with that understanding. But what they also come with, what I love, is they've got a big wall and a big church building that they moved into a couple of years ago. And they put just a whole bunch of empty um, light bulb connectors against the wall. And every Sunday as people choose to put their faith in Jesus, they give them a light bulb. And so what they can do, what you then do is you go and they've got the walls quite high, so they've got ladders there, and you climb up the ladder and you put your light bulb into this wall. And as over the years, hundreds of people, thousands of people have put their light bulbs in, the bulbs have begun to spell Jesus is life. Just this beautiful picture of every time we come to Christ, the light gets turned on inside of us. And you and I, as we sit here today, we have this light shining inside of us, and it's reaching more and more people. And as this grace reaches more and more people, I love how this passage, end of the day, it is all God will receive more and more glory. You see, at the end of the day, it is always about His glory. I love how John Piper says, missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. You see, if everybody was already worshiping, there would be no need for missions. Mission is all about us going to draw and to invite people to the place of worship. And so ministry exists within this context. Evangelism, reaching out, letting light shine exists because as the light inside of it, it's an infectious light. As the light shines and that light begins to turn on other lights around us, there is more and more glory that comes to God. That is why we never give up. Why do we never give up? Because whatever we're doing, it brings more and more glory to God. That as more and more people see and receive this grace, more and more glory comes to God, and that is why we never give up. Like Winston Churchill, we will never surrender. You know, we will fight them on the beaches, and we'll fight them at the landing grounds. We'll fight them, but we will never, ever surrender. There is something that when a light shines inside of us, we can realize, I will never give up, and this light will never go out. Though our bodies are dying, 
Our spirits are being renewed every day. And I love this. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. And I love reading this just in the light of Paul and who writes this because Paul is somebody who on this earth had significant present troubles. But I love how within the context of eternity he reminds himself they're small. Our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. In other words, he's saying, I'm only going to live 70 or 80 years, if that, on this earth. It's not going to be very long. Eternity is long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And He is reminding us that there is an eternity, that there is something after this life, as beautiful, as precious, as glorious as this life is that God has made. And on the one hand, on the other hand, it is fallen and it is broken. But there is a new heaven and there is a new earth that Christ is inviting us to. And so this is sort of the, the back story, and we're sort of building up to where I, what I'm sensing God is wanting us to, to reach today. Is started with this old covenant. You and I, we cannot come to God. There is a separation between us that even as Moses came to the mountain, no one else was allowed touching the mountain or they would die. But this is not where we are now. Now we preach Jesus. Jesus who invites us, who turns the light on. The light is not a distant light. It's a light that comes and dwells within every one of us. And whatever struggles we may have, whatever challenges we may have, and they are real and they are significant in the light of eternity, they pale in comparison. And so we hold on to this light. And then we jump just a couple of verses forward to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he speaks first about more struggles and death, but I think we've got the point there at the start of 2 Corinthians, or sorry, 5 rather. And then verse 11, he says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? He says, are we saying that we are sincere because we want to tell you how nice and how generous and how great people we are. He says, no, but we're giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. It's the first time I, I read it in this translation when I was preparing for the message. Normally, we read it in other translation. And I, I love how that's phrased. I began to pray and when I asked God, God, a spectacular ministry would be amazing. We love seeing people healed and restored. We see it here often. and We would see that more and more. But I pray that we would have sincere hearts more than spectacular ministry. That whatever we do, I would rather not have a spectacular ministry and a sincere heart than have a spectacular ministry and not a sincere heart. The non-negotiable one is the sincere heart. I believe God would have us have spectacular ministry in our lives too, but not at the cost of sincere hearts. And so he says, we have this fearful responsibility. It's not fearful in the sense that it makes us afraid to hide like Gideon was hiding 
under the winepress. It's fearful because we understand the magnitude of the responsibility that God has placed upon us. That He invites us, that He says, I am inviting you to do something so big, so significant, so life-changing. I'm asking you to do something that's going to affect eternity for others. And He carries on, He says, if it seems we are crazy... It is to bring glory to God. So if we're being crazy, we're being crazy because we want to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. So if we're being crazy, God is being glorified by our craziness. But if we're not crazy, then your benefit is in what we are sharing with you. Then it is to your benefit that we are speaking sense, even though to the world it seems crazy. Either way, Christ's love controls us. You know, we're going to break down to you this whole few verses that are coming now. We're going to break down too much, but he just said, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And this beautiful transition that happens inside of us. And once again, we can see this as my old self is dying. That's so hard. That's so bad. That's so difficult. Or there's this new life, this invitation to hope and joy in Christ so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves, but live for Him who really matters. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. That God comes and He brings about this transition on the inside, and suddenly my waking up in the morning is less about me and more about Him. My going to work is less about me and more about Him. Because watch what He continues to say. He says, as God's partners. Isn't that the craziest thought ever, to be partners with God? The God of the universe who can do absolutely everything that ever needs to be done all by Himself chooses to use us as partners. And Paul here, he's saying in his context, he's God's partner. We beg you, we're partnering with God and we're begging you not to accept and I've just completely skipped the whole section. So, human point of view. We've got this light shining inside of us. And this, as this has happened, our, our lives, our priorities, our reasons for living has changed. I'm not now waking up every morning thinking about what can I get the most. We're speaking to a, um, um, I guess you could call him a church leader. He's an elder of a large church in the U.S., but he's also the head of a um, of a, a seminary, one of the big, uni, big Christian universities in the States, and he heads up their leadership school, and speaking to him in the week, he serves on our advisory council, and he was just helping us just navigate some challenges we had, and he just sort of in passing mentioned that the biggest sin in church is the sin of self-exaltation, the sin of lifting ourselves up, of making much of ourselves. And he says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. 
Because at, at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. We thought about how can we wake up in the morning and how can Christ lift me up, exalt me, make me better, make me higher, make me more, give me a raise, give me a bigger car, give me a bigger house. And our prayers began to change and it's not become sort of how am I living for me, but God, how can I lift you up more? Jesus, how can I exalt you? Jesus, how can I make more of you? Jesus, you've done something so phenomenal inside of me. And what I love about this is, as I think about it, as I've seen this in my life, it has been very, it's been much less of a conscious decision. It's not like one day I woke up and I said, well, Jesus, today I'm going to decide to live for you. As much as it was God bringing about that decision inside of me. I'm not sure if I expressed myself well there. It's not like one day I decided, well, I've been living for myself all of these days. This stopping now, and now I'm going to live for Jesus. I don't recall ever explicitly making that decision out of my own strength and from myself. It's as God drew me near to Him, as I became aware of the glory of God, God shifted something inside of me. My heart began to change. God worked a difference inside of me. And over time, I woke up one day and my prayer, my thinking wasn't, how can I be so good today? It was, how can I show Jesus to be so good today? And something that God turned and so God changed. And I want to encourage you with that. We can't make that change of ourselves. We have to embrace it and run with it as God challenges us. And God says, no, Philip, don't do that. No, don't take that opportunity. No, don't press for that. No, lift me up here rather. We've got to embrace that. We've got to run with it. But He is the one who works inside of us to be able and to want to do it. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know Him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun, and all of this through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against Him, and He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. And so we are Christ's ambassadors. I want to pause there for a moment, because as I was preparing, I just through this message, God is, what is it he wants? It's this one verse, it's just this one phrase, it's just come over and over and over. Last week or a couple of weeks ago, I sensed God was wanting to say, I am, that he is sending you, hero, paraphrasing Gideon there. I sense God is wanting to echo that he is sending you as his ambassador. Isn't that the craziest thought? We know what an ambassador is. We have a couple that live around this area I stay obviously just behind here and there's some ambassadors that live there and every now and again the, the one country's ambassadors they love the e-bikes and they come cycling on their electronic bikes past our house and we greet them from time to time and have one or two quick chats with them but you know we can talk to them in their personal capacity and they're great people but sometimes they put on a slightly different hat and they step into official meetings and now they are not speaking for themselves. Now when an ambassador speaks, steps into that room, that ambassador is a representative of the nation from whence they come. They are now speaking on behalf of that country. 
So if for argument's sake, the closest to me, Madagascar, literally if I'm in trouble one day, I can just hop over the wall and then I'm in Madagascar, which is pretty fun. Maybe I should go. I wonder if they've got penguins behind their walls. But anyway, if you're speaking to the ambassador of Madagascar in his ambassadorial role, when he speaks, he is speaking for Madagascar, for the country, for the nation. He is representing them. What he says is the official position of the people of Madagascar because he has said it. Now, here's a crazy thought. God looks at you and he says, be my ambassador. That place we described a little bit earlier. That space where you are in, what it looks like, the people you interact with. I wonder how your actions would look tomorrow morning if in the car, on the way there, you reminded yourself, you put on a different jacket, you put on a different hat, you said, I am now putting on the hat, the cap of ambassador. When I get out of my vehicle and I walk to my workplace, I am not going just as well, your name, my profession. I am not just going as Basil, marketing director, whatever the terminology is, or Yaku, software engineer. I'm not just, I'm actually going as, fill in your name, ambassador for Jesus. Whatever I say and whatever I do today, I am doing it on behalf of God. I am going to represent Him to these people. I want to encourage our sense. God is wanting to remind us that He is sending you and me as His ambassador. I love the fact that we gather here together as a gathering, which is what the word church means. We come together here as a gathering. I love the fact that we get to do this and we have a bride like last week and sometimes or a whole bunch more, sometimes a few less as we, we gather here. But I want to remind you tomorrow morning when you wake up and you go to work, you are still the church. And then suddenly our church goes into the highways and the byways of this country. I just have such an expectation in my heart that God wants us again to be in that place where we are ambassadors for Him. Where every moment of every day, we are not just thinking what is best for Philip, what is best for me, whatever, whoever me is in this space. But God, I'm an ambassador. Right now, I have a duty, a responsibility, but a privilege to not speak in my personal capacity. I am now speaking in the capacity as an ambassador of heaven. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I believe God is wanting to send us to our workplaces, to all of our environments. I don't even want to count, but I can imagine just a small amount of us here. Tomorrow we could have influence, probably not could, will have, with probably close to, if not, probably close thousands, I'd guess, in the low thousands. If we were to tally up all of the people that we were to meet tomorrow, that was a significant number of people that we would impact. What if we went to them as ambassadors of Christ? 
We went with this message, with this understanding that there are so many things in this world that are important and we care about. I love our world vision statement used to be, we care about all suffering, but especially eternal suffering. (laughs) We care about all pain, but especially eternal pain. We care about all healing, but especially eternal healing. We care about all restoration, but especially eternal restoration. If we were to embrace that reality, that truth, that wherever people are at, the pain, the hurt, the suffering they're going through now, the hope, the expectation that they're carrying now, it's all important. And Jesus is into all of that. But underpinning all of that and overarching, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, there is a salvation that God wants to invite you to. And so as God's partners, and this is where I skipped to by accident just now, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Yes, the marvelous gift of God's kindness is the salvation we receive. But I sense for us sitting here today, God is also wanting to say the marvelous gift of God's kindness is that He would appoint us as ambassadors. I beg you, He says, don't accept it. And then ignore it. At just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. When it's the right Some of us have been saying, you know, I'm going to start reaching out when it's the right time. When it's the right time. I honestly believe Scripture would say the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. I want us to watch a very short video clip just as a, a reminder, perhaps as a little bit of inspiration. of It's a story that someone tells and you'll pick up immediately when he picks up. It's an actor. Some of you may recognize him. But he speaks about someone who came to work for him. He changed him in eternity because it is somebody who understood why she was there. I trust that that will be just a little bit of inspiration for us. And then I'll close off with just a couple of really quick and practical tips around us. Thanks. I'd say what was missing was the satisfaction. My life before Christ was uh, focused on making money. My life before Christ was uh, a totally day in and day out uh, existence that was uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, uh, uh, an existence of self-absorbance, um, and you know, just doing what you normally do when you're trying to maintain a career in the movie business. Loving Jesus is what's most important to me, and I, uh, I know that sounds hokey, but it's the truth. My life is God's life in me for Him to do with what He wants. My wife and I were living in Tucson, Arizona about 16 years ago almost, and through the family we hired this cleaning woman. She's working with us for about two weeks, and my wife kind of notices her singing that she does every day in her work. Eventually, after a few more days of this, went to Augusta and said, you know, I noticed your singing, and um, I was just curious, you know, why is every song about Jesus, uh, perhaps 
here's another tune in your repertoire, so to speak. Um, Anna Gusta had a very interesting reaction uh, to the question. She literally burst out laughing in my wife's face. <laughs> I just had to do that, sorry. And Augusta said, you know, again, um, understand that the reason that I'm laughing is uh, you think the only reason that I'm here is to clean your house. <laughs> uh, so my wife, <laughs> she says, honey, um, I, I'd like to share with you something that Augusta just told me. And I said, what's that, dear? And she said, uh, well, she just explained to me that the real reason she's here is because in the future, you and I are going to become born-again Christians, and at some point after that, we're going to have our own ministry. And I said, really? Hmm. At that point in my career, I was making more money than I could ever wildly imagine, and just to, to hear uh, that idea vocalized at that point in time was utterly ridiculous. Uh, but um, that's the beginning of the journey for me. When I got to a place of willingness to just simply say to myself, okay, I'm willing to believe that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. And I'm now going to ask God to show me what that means. That's when I read the Bible and apply it to my life to the best of my ability to have that understanding, that's when uh, this whole experience became very, very real for me. I'm Stephen Baldwin, I am second. I just love just that story, just that little bit of this woman who realized why she was there. Yes, she was there to work. Yes, she was there to clean the house. Yes, she obviously had to do that excellently. But she also understood there was another reason why she was there. And so I want to encourage us there where we are. Let's be there. Yes, work excellently. And as I mentioned, Crystal's message last week, hopefully will really help you with that. But also, God, I'm here because there are people, Jesus, that you want me to impact, even if it is. So a couple of things, just practically, how we just perhaps can get started. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, man, that lady is so cool. I wish that I could tell that story when I finish working, wherever I'm working, but I don't even have no way to start. And so just three things that I can just hold before you, three suggestions, three ways that we can start. The first one is the obvious one, start praying. Just pray. This lady was cleaning the house into the worshiping as she was praying. Just changing the spiritual atmosphere. Go into that place where we're just praying. Start praying. Love an old saying I heard many years ago. Never speak to people about God until you've spoken to God about those people. Start by praying. Just in your workplace, perhaps even this is something that I found just amazing earlier, many years ago when I was um, still in a secular environment working and it was so great that we're not wanted to start praying, there's always one or two. There's always someone that you can pray with. Someone in the workplace, someone in the company. So if you've been praying, saying, God, who can I? He's going to pray you someone that you can pray with. First step is there where you are, start praying. But I want to add to that, don't just pray airy-fairy prayers. 
That's great as well. But don't just pray, Jesus, change this company. Jesus, save these souls. Pray, Jesus, save John in the office next to me. Or the person that I share the desk with. Or the guy that I drive with in the mornings. Or put a name and a face to the prayer. So that's step one is start praying. Step two is shine the light. That light that's inside of you, this little light of mine, let's let it shine. You know the best way to let it shine is to allow yourself to be different. Don't try and be like the world. Don't try and be and pleasing to, if you're an instruction company, as an example, I hear the construction industry is rife with all sorts of interesting language. Have different language. Be different because you are different. Make a point of saying, I'm not going to be different sort of in an arty, deliberate, I'm just going to try and reflect Christ here. And as you reflect Christ, as you let that light shine, you know how people notice. I cannot begin to tell you how many people I've spoken to who years later, after they've come to the faith, they've just said something was different about those people. It was so different, it freaked me out, it offended me, I hated them, I persecuted them because they were different. But it witnessed to me at the same time. Don't be afraid to be different in where Christ has called you to be different. Let that light shine. About prayer, maybe just quickly one step back, I forgot to say that. Yes, we're praying for people, but also be willing to pray with people. So we're praying for, but we're also praying with. What do I mean by that? When you're sitting in the canteen and somebody says, hey, I need this difficult decision that I have to make about my kid's school or whatever, or my child is going to the hospital. Children are really easy in often into people's hearts and people's lives. Or I'm considering this. My dad's going through a rough time, or I need to make a decision. I need wisdom. Hey, I'm struggling with this thing can you help me figure this out? Stop and be willing to pray with them too. So listen, can I pray with you for that? Can I pray with you for your child, for the job interview, for the project, for the medical situation? Be willing to pray. And watch God answer those prayers. So we're praying for people, we're praying with people. Then we're letting the light shine because we have a light that has been turned on inside of us. Let's not be a city that is set on a hill but is hidden and covered in a bush. And let's be willing to let the light shine. The best way to let the light shine is to be that salt, to be different, to have integrity. Christoph shared a great story about that last week, about how he could really easily have just gotten a whole bunch of easy money. No one would have flinched about it. He chose the right way, invited the favor of God upon his business. But people around us see us. I love how he got the reward from... Exaro, the big company, yeah, Exaro, the big mining house. They gave him the reward for capital excellence simply because he wouldn't cheat them. The world notices and the world sees, and it's a testimony when we're willing to do it the right way. And then the third one, just invite people. Invite them into your world. Invite, invite them into your space. I'm yet to meet the person who was upset at an invitation. We all love being invited. Even if we can't go, we love being invited. Hey, do you want to come with me to Italy next weekend? It's only going to cost you 25,000 rand. 
oh man, I really would have loved to, but I can't afford it. But thanks for the invite. Hey, do you want to come with me to small group or come with me to convergence? We're having a church braai on Sunday. Hey, don't you want to come with me? Our family, we're doing something fun this weekend. A bunch of friends and I getting together, going for a run. Invite people into your world. Let's not be afraid to invite people. There's a great book. You may have read it. Um, love the title. And the title, it's one of those books that it's, it's such a good book because the whole book is summed up in the title. Just walk across the room. Sometimes all it takes for us to change somebody's life for eternity is just to be willing to walk across the room. When somebody's standing there, when somebody's sitting there, just walk across the room. We love the idea of missions on different continents. When we do those, we're going to continue doing them. But sometimes mission is simply just across the corridor, just across the aisle. There is somebody whose door we can knock on, somebody who we can pray with, who we can speak to. I want to encourage us. I have just such a sense in my heart. I want to say this. I'm going to ask Tina to come up, and we're going to sing a children's song together as we close this. Sending you. But I sense God is wanting to say to you that He is sending you. Not the person next to you or behind you, them too, but you as His ambassador. All He's asking is, will you pray? Will you let your light shine? And will you invite? And one of the things that I love about where we are as a church, we really are a really small church now. <laughs> Big challenges because where we were to where we are now, a bunch, bunch of stuff has got to change. But there are stacks of seats all over, and there are a bunch of more chairs in the storeroom we can just pull out if we need them. There is more space for us just to go and invite people to say, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Maybe just one more thing before, we, before I close. Can I just, it's almost too obvious to say this, but I want to say this just so there's never any doubt about this. Our stepping out in the workplace, our stepping out in our families, our being ambassadors for Christ, we are not inviting people to shofar to this church. We're inviting them to Jesus. And if it so happens that this is the church where they grow, where they find family, we want to definitely welcome them. They're welcome. We would love to have people here. But our primary goal, our end goal is not to fill this room. Our end goal is not for us to have the biggest small groups, the most small groups. Our goal is to have people meet with Jesus. And this is one vehicle that we know in our lives. That's why we are here. God has used for us to meet with Him and grow with Him. And we want to invite others to that as well. The invitation is obviously always open, but that's not our goal. So our invitation at the end of our heart is not so much, hey, yes, you're in church here with me now. That's a win. No. Yes. You are following Jesus. That's the win. And I just want to say that just, for clarity's sake, as we're inviting people, we're inviting them to Jesus in whichever vehicle, whichever way that we needs to go. So I want to invite us, can we stand together? And perhaps this morning, if there's something in your heart that's saying, yes, Jesus, I've been doing this for years and I'm just going to step out tomorrow morning again to be an ambassador. Maybe just to make it really practical, I should have put this in there as well. 
in the prayer mint. Say, I want to pray with at least two people every week. Because you know, it's one thing to say, I'm going to pray with people. It's something else to say, I want to pray with two people this week. It just gives us a little bit more impetus to step out and do it. Even if it's just, I'm going to pray with them for their lunch. I'm just going to start somewhere. I'm going to have lunch with them and ask if we can pray before. And I don't know where else to start. But what I can tell you is when you're going to start praying and asking God for opportunities, you're going to struggle to keep up with the opportunities He's going to send to you. Because we may miss this. But this world, as a rule, is far from Jesus. Some of us in our worlds and in our environments, we have a little bit of an echo chamber and we've got our, our holy huddles, our friends that we walk with that is beautiful. We just walk across the room and you're going to meet people who are far from Jesus. In your class, in your workplace, and let's be willing to say, Jesus, I'm going to let my light shine. So I've actually asked Tina to just lead us and if it's morning you just want to say Jesus I want to let my light shine let's sing it a little bit as if we were kids again this is the light of mine I'm going to let it shine how and where I don't know but Jesus you put this light inside of me and all I'm going to do is let Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.